today's reading will be taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 55. Now at this time, Mary arose and hurried to the hill country to a city of Judea. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, her baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. And she exclaimed loudly, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greetings reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed and confidently trusted that there would be a fulfillment of the things that were spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies and exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, and got in God my Saviour, for he has looked on the humble state of his maidservant. For behold, from now on all generations will count me blessed and happy and favoured by God. For, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon generation after generation. Towards those who fear him from generation to generation. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, just as he promised to our fathers, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. May we honour the reading of God's word by saying, Amen. Good morning. Greetings in the name of the Lord. It's always a great privilege and an honor to be stood here before you, especially on today, um, our day of Holy Communion, and also in this season of Advent. And um, before I go further, I will just breathe a word of prayer. Lord God, you are our help. You are our strength. You are our peace. You are our righteousness. And Lord God, we today we put our hope in you. Our hope rests in you. I hope rest in, in your ability to save, in your ability to deliver, in your ability to set free, in your ability to break bonds, in your ability, Lord God, to deliver those who are poor in spirit, those who are downtrodden and brokenhearted, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that you use me as your vessel, Lord God, to bring about your peace, Lord God, and for the furtherance of your kingdom today. Amen. So, the scripture that was read is part of what I'm going to be sharing with you today. And as I alluded to, we're in Advent and this is an Advent portion of scripture. Talking of the time running up to or immediately before the birth of Jesus Christ. So we're going to be centered around Luke 1, verses 5 to 55. So my brother did a wonderful 
exposition last week of really the ministry of Jesus, including um, this portion of, of scripture. But I just wanted to zero in on Advent for the time being. And a lot of what Phil said will feed into what I'm going to share with you. So we know that this time for Israel was a time of oppression. The land was occupied by a foreign force and ruled and being governed by people and groups that didn't have the best interests of the common people at heart. It was a rough time to be a Jewish person. Now, at this time, so many years after the last prophecy recorded in the Old Testament, at the beginning of the Gospels, we see the intervention of God's holy angel, Gabriel. And in the Gospel of Luke, the first person that he encounters is a priest called Zechariah. And this priest had a wife called Elizabeth. And the Bible says that they were both righteous before God and that they walked blamelessly in all his commandments and statutes. But there was one thing that was lacking in their lives, was that they had no children. Elizabeth was barren. And so the fact that she was unable to have children, despite their great goodness and their obvious qualities, was something that Elizabeth goes on to describe as a reproach. So an emblem of, of, of shame and of disgrace. That she had no control over herself, that they as a couple had no control over. But there's something about their names, and I'm just going to mention this. The names in this portion of scripture are so important because they give some relevance and some kind of insight into what God is doing. And Zechariah's name means God remembers. Elizabeth's name, there's various translations, but it could mean God is, or God has sworn an oath, or my God is sufficient. So God remembers. And my God is sufficient. So there came a time, during this time, the days of Herod, where Zechariah was chosen, his division was chosen by Lot to enter into the temple. And he, in particular, was chosen to burn incense, as um, described in verse 9. And in verse 10, it says, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at this time. I'm going to try and cut some of this short. So this was an honor that Zechariah may have only experienced once in his life. It was a very particular task. And because of the number of priests that existed at the time, um, some commentators say that the priests were only allowed to do this once or permitted to do this once. Others say that by chance you would only do this once in your life. So it was a great honor for Zechariah to go before the people and to burn incense. That, and the incense represented their prayers. So as Zechariah goes into the temple on his own, he, he enters in with two other priests, but then he goes forward on his own 
to perform this particular um, ministry. The angel Gabriel appears to him. And the Gabriel, um, his first words to him was that, don't be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Don't be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were old. Some translations say that they were stricken in age. They were definitely beyond the time that a child would naturally be conceived. But as Gabriel goes on to say, with God, all things are possible. By the way, Gabriel's name means God is mighty. We serve a mighty God. God is not bound by the restrictions of science or biology or time. He is far above. They bow to him. The laws of science that govern us bow to our Lord. And that's such a great thing for us to to kind of grasp on. As we go on in the text, as we read, just skipping a little bit and I'll go back. Zechariah can't get his head around the fact that God can do this for him. He says, how, is this, how, can, how can this happen? How can I know that this is going to take place? And bear in mind that Zechariah is actually in the temple representing, in the representation of the people and their prayers are going up to heaven. And yet he has come to the point where he's lost hope in his own prayer. So Gabriel said to him, his prayer has been answered. But he's gotten to a point where he does not have any more, well, he's got to a point where hope has lost. But God's saying, I'm doing something new. God has sent his angel, his ministering spirit, specifically to Zechariah to say that this thing is going to happen and you don't need to have any doubt about it. Going from verse 13, Gabriel describes what the son is going to be like. He says, and you will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. His mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So John, as many of us will know, is John the Baptist. His name means God is gracious. The, the words that Gabriel speak, spoke should have given Zechariah an insight into what was at hand because the words that he spoke were taken from the book of Malachi from his, one of the very last um, prophecies that is given at the very end of the Old Testament 
And if you turn to the Malachi 4 at the very um, near the end of your page, you will see the prophecies about this prophet that will come in the spirit and the power of Elijah before the Messiah comes. Malachi 4, 5 to 6 says, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction or with a curse. So Gabriel's declaration is a repeat of the prophecy from Malachi. So what Gabriel is actually saying is, is that your son is going to be the forerunner for the Messiah who is about to come. But Zechariah can't see the wholeness of it. He doesn't get the relevance. And sometimes that's like us, isn't it? Sometimes God is doing something in us, something in our lives, and we don't necessarily see the magnitude of what God's working out. Sometimes it doesn't always look the way that it's meant to look. Sometimes we don't, even, we don't always have the resource that we're going to need to accomplish that for which God has called us to do. But God is almighty. There is nothing that is impossible for him. And this was meant to be a time of jubilation. This should have been a time for Zechariah to be lifting up his hands and praising at what God is about to bring forth, that he will be the father of the one who would go before the Messiah. It was an awesome privilege and an honor that was being bestowed upon him, but because of the loss of hope, he couldn't receive it. This is in verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. It's very reminiscent of Abraham and Sarah and the conversations that they had. But the word says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. But Zechariah is stumbling. So the angel answered him and said, I'm Gabriel, I am Gabriel. He reiterates who he is. And what he's here for. He says, I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. In other words, I wouldn't have come and I wouldn't have said this to you if it wasn't going to happen. I'm just a messenger. This message comes from God. Sometimes the things that God says to us is difficult for us to receive. Difficult for us to understand, difficult for us to get our heads around. But if he said it, it's going to happen. If he said it, he meant it. So it's for us to believe it and to walk in it. The, in verse 20, it goes on, it says, Gabriel says to Zechariah, Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because he did not believe my words that will be fulfilled in their time. So from this point onwards until the time that John is born, Zechariah is silent. And even in that, God is still gracious because 
God gives us time, doesn't he? I always think about God's conversation with Moses before the burning bush. And Moses puts up so much resistance to what God is telling him because he just can't grasp how it's going to happen. And he's looking at the way that he speaks and all the things that he has and looking at the physical and saying, God, there's no way that this is possible. But God says, who made you? Who made your mouth? Look at me speaking to you. It even says that God gets angry. But in, in Zechariah's case, he's just made um, silent. I think the thing that really sticks to me about this, about this whole episode, is the fact that we have to believe who God is. When we pray, when we read God's word, we have to do that in full recognition of the power of God, of the person of God, of what he is able to do and who is speaking. Because sometimes if we're honest, we treat God's word much at a much lower priority than we should. We read it and we say, well, maybe it will apply to me and maybe it doesn't. We pray and we think, well, maybe God will and maybe God won't. But we have to pray in faith, read in faith, accept and walk in God's precepts in faith but we'll go on it says after these days in verse sorry verse 23 after um, the Christ of services entered he goes home he goes home to his wife Elizabeth and she indeed conceives far beyond the time when naturally she would have been able to conceive and give birth And the word says in verses 24 and 25, it says, For five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So Elizabeth, for five months, stays out of the way of everybody. She doesn't go into her community. She keeps herself Hidden, the word says. And it makes you wonder what was going on in those five months. It says, the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach. There could be a number of reasons why she's done this. But it's obvious that she's musing and she's thinking about the Lord. She's thinking about his goodness. She's thinking about the blessing that has been bestowed on her. She's probably watching the changes that are going on in her own body, the things that she's longed for for such a long amount of time and seeing the prophecy of the angel coming to pass. And you get that sense of expectation, don't you? That sense of joy that she must be experiencing, that she doesn't really want to share with anybody but her Lord, her baby, and herself. And it's almost as if in a a small way, she's representing the nation of Israel, who for so long have awaited the coming of the Messiah. And this period is that time when the baby is about to come forth. She's stating that God has taken away her reproach. And that harkens back to Genesis and Rachel 
after she had Joseph after a long period of barrenness. It says that in Genesis 30, it says, God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And doesn't God do that for all of us? All those years of, of sin and shame and, and the things that we've done outside and we come to the recollection and the recognizing that we've, we've sinned against God. But then as we meditate on what God has done, as we accept the finished work of Jesus Christ for ourselves, accept him as Savior and Lord, he does that, doesn't he? He takes away our reproach and our shame. Nobody else can do that. Nobody else can do that for you. And I'm just thinking of Elizabeth just meditating on that for five months. Meanwhile, somewhere up north, in a city of Galilee called Nazareth, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we see Gabriel again. And this time he's sent to a virgin whose name was Mary. Mary, this young girl, probably in her teens still, possibly even her early teens, visited by this angel who exclaims to her and says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now this city was important because Isaiah prophesied about Galilee at the start of Isaiah 9. Now we know that it wasn't the place where the Messiah would be born, but it gives us an insight that this, that Galilee, this region is significant. It's a small town, about 90 miles north of Jerusalem in the northern part of Israel. And as Jesus grew, he was identified as the Nazarene. So he was linked to Nazareth. Now, at this point, there's not that much description about Mary other than that she's, she's a virgin and that she's betrothed to Joseph. We don't know that much about her character. We don't know that much about her skill set just right now. But the Lord says via his angel that she is a favored one. Oh, favored one, God or the Lord is with you. Mary was blessed by this visitation and by what Gabriel was about to say above any person who has ever lived. But it wasn't because of anything about her, but about the favor and the goodness and the mercy of God. The Lord is with you. When the angel says this, it triggers the recollection of Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus, that he shall be named Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And the reality of that prophecy was of extra poignance for Mary. As being his mother, she'd enjoy a relationship with Jesus that was unique, unlike any other human being in history. And it was a lot to take in for a young girl. You can imagine. First of all, as, as Bishop mentioned a few weeks ago, 
an angel visitation was, could be a very frightening thing. And very often, the first thing an angel would say is, don't be afraid. And this is a young girl. But it didn't, the scripture didn't actually say that she was afraid as such. It says that she was troubled at the saying. In other words, it says that she was tried to discern what kind of greeting this was. So in other words, her, the cogs are turning in her mind and she's wondering, why is the angel, why has this angel come and visited me? I'm a young girl. I'm of a low status or no real status in society. What have I done? To receive such a great honor that an angel sent from God would come and visit with me. It would have been unexpected. It would have been surprising. It would have been a lot to take in. But Gabriel reassures her that God is about to bless her beyond measure. He goes on, he says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. There's only one person that can carry those titles. There's only one person that we can say those things about. Son of the most high that he will reign over the house of David and over Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So Mary would have been in no doubt that this was the promised Messiah, the one that they've been waiting for. So Mary says to the angel, how can this be? How will this be since I'm a virgin? And for the keen reader, you'll notice that she's asking a question in the same way. Well, she asked the question, Zechariah asked the question, what's the difference? Because Zechariah was chided for him asking the question and Mary is not. Now Mary's question doesn't arise out of a doubt in the same way that Zechariah's questioning of Gabriel does, but out of a genuine inquiry as to how she would be with child, seeing as she is a virgin, she'd never known a man. Zechariah was married. The, the possibility was there, although it seemed distant. Mary was a virgin, as I said. She wasn't married. She, there was no way she knew that this could happen. But the angel gives her clarity as to how this is to come about. It says, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So in answering her question, Gabriel gives her insight as to how this could happen. But it also confirms Jesus' lineage his divine lineage. Jesus would not have an earthly father, per se, biologically. But he was conceived miraculously by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he was born holy. No corruption, no sin founded him. Truly God in the flesh. 
the Holy One of God and the perfect sacrifice for sin. And the angel confirms what he said by remarking to Mary, Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. So at this point we realize that Mary and Elizabeth are related. Gabriel goes on and says, This is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. So he reaffirms what is going on, what is happening right now, by saying that Elizabeth, your relative who has gone past the age of childbearing, is also conceived and she's six months pregnant. So Mary, her response, young girl, possibly in her early teens, the angel appears to her and says that he's gonna, she'll be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and that she will be with child. This puts her in a vulnerable and possibly a dangerous position. She's going to be pregnant. She's betrothed, but she's not married. And the child that she'll be carrying would not be for her betrothed. But her response is, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now that should strike us. Knowing that this is going to change her whole life. Change the trajectory of her life. Knowing that she's going to have to face the public who may not understand what's at hand face her family who may not understand but she declares that she's the servant of the Lord there's no bargaining there's no murmuring there's no hint that she's going to at any point say no she just says I'm the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word. How many of us can say that, can make that declaration wholeheartedly? Not just because you think people want to hear you say it, but openly to God and say, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, whatever you want to do in my life, even if it puts me in danger or peril, I'll say yes. This young girl. And you see, age is not a restriction for God to be at work in your life. Elizabeth was on one side of the spectrum. Mary was at the other. But God was still using them. To bring forth this mighty work. That had been waited for for so long. That the prophets had prophesied for centuries. God is using these two women to bring it to pass. All that God is looking for is a receptive. And an open heart. She was quicker to surrender to God's will than the priest in the temple. And it just goes to show that God doesn't respect our titles and the things that we put upon ourselves. God sees differently to how we see. Um, Paul, in his writings to Timothy, said that no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, 
in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So if you're here and you're a young person, don't count yourself out. Don't be of the mindset that, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want to do now and then I'll serve God later. Life doesn't always work like that. There's not always a later. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So after the visitation of Gabriel, he said, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So given this new situation and the word that the angel gave about Elizabeth, Mary makes um, goes with haste. She makes no um, stops and gets down to the house of Zechariah. Now, um, some studies say that this distance was very, a very significant distance. One um, person said that it was around about 130 kilometers. It's a long way. <laughs> Mary does some traveling while she's pregnant. And I think it's interesting because obviously the angel didn't tell her to go to Elizabeth, but that's what she wanted to do. And um, you can imagine that in, in a similar way to Elizabeth, she wanted to be around somebody who understood what she was going through. And that is so um, poignant for me as well. As believers, sometimes life can be rough, especially when you're not in a community of faith. When you're not around the people of faith who can support you, who can understand you, and even amongst the people of faith, sometimes we can even feel lonely even in that space. If we don't know anybody or don't feel that anybody can understand what it is that we're going through. And I would urge those of you who may be coming, who might be feeling lonely, who don't really have any links with anybody, pray, pray on that. Make contact with one of the leaders. See if we can help you to make connections with other people. It's a hard road to walk on your own. You're going to need support. And we know that we have God and we have the Holy Spirit with us all the time. But sometimes it's nice to have somebody with you that can walk with you. But this was a, not an ordinary meeting of relative with relative or cousin with cousin. Because something very special happened. It says, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So John leaps and Elizabeth herself is filled with the Spirit and it cements what the Gabriel said to Zechariah that John will be filled from the womb. There's a unique link 
between John and Jesus as in the spirit as their purposes are aligned by God. And Elizabeth herself is filled. Supernatural blessing of God poured out in the life of his servant. And this is pre-Pentecost. But she's been waiting for five months, meditating on the goodness of God. If you're looking to be filled, if you're looking to take your faith walk to the next level, meditate on the goodness of God. Sometimes you need to come away from some people. Sometimes you need to come away from some influences. Sometimes there's some things that you need to switch off or unsubscribe from. But whatever it is that you need to cut off, cut it off. Make God the center. Put God at the center of everything that is that you're doing. Make a beeline to his presence. And just watch what God will do with your life. She's, Elizabeth is already well blessed and she's been meditating on the blessing of being pregnant. But the arrival of Mary takes it to another level. The Bible doesn't say that she knew what the angel had said to Mary and I'm assuming that she doesn't know. And Mary came straight away so it doesn't say that she had any time to send in letters. <laughs> but through the Spirit without being told naturally. Look at what Elizabeth says and she declares. She says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of her womb. So she recognizes the deep honor that's been given to Mary or to her, Elizabeth, to have Mary, the mother of Jesus, to come into her house, to come under her roof. She says that she's blessed. She says, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. So she realizes this is a great blessing that's taken place. She realizes that Mary is the mother of the Messiah. The Spirit reveals it to her. So not only is Mary pregnant, but the Messiah has come to her home. And she praises Mary for her great faith. She says, blessed is she who believes that there will be a fulfillment of what is spoken to her from the Lord. There's a blessing in obedience. There's a blessing in faithfulness. The presence of Jesus is the catalyst for the Spirit of God to move in his people. And Mary then goes on with that famous phrase as we read beforehand. My soul magnifies the Lord. Seeing everything that's been happening, everything that the angel has spoken to her, everything that's happening with Elizabeth and the realization that Jesus is coming. Jesus is in her womb. She is like she explodes in praise. My soul, my, the deep in my core, in my innermost being, I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to make his name great. I'm going to glorify him for all of his goodness to me. His humble servant. I'm, not, I'm a nobody. There's nothing great about me. But great is his favor. 
great is his faithfulness. Great is his mercy. Great is his power. Great is his love. From the very core of her being, she puts God at the center of her praise and she lifts up his name and his name only. Now, as I said before, Mary had a special blessing in that she was chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. Not because of anything that she had done, but because of the favor and the mercy of God. And in the same vein, isn't so true for us. Not because of anything that we did that was special. Not because we were great. Not because we met the qualifications. Not because we were rich. Or that we were born in the right country or that we were in the right color. But because of the mercy and the favor of God. He has seen fit to send his son to live and to dwell in us. By the power of his Holy Spirit. We like Mary should also declare that our soul, our spirit, everything within us is magnifies the Lord. The reason that we exist is to make his name great in the earth. He's done great things for me. Holy is his name. We can agree with those words. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. It's not just about me. My praise is not just about me. The word says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Somebody is watching you when you praise. Somebody is watching you as you walk out your life of worship. It's freeing somebody else. It speaks to somebody else. Jesus came down not to dwell with the rich and with kings, but with young girls like Mary, with shepherds and fishermen, the downcast and the downtrodden. He made a point of including those who were marginalized, those who were pushed aside, those who had no status. And it makes me ask this question. Where were you when Jesus stepped into your life? Where did he find you? Mary goes on and she concludes in her, in her exaltation. She says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Remember that God doesn't forget. Zechariah means God remembers. He watches over his word to perform it and none of his words return to him void but they accomplish that for which he sent it. And the events that we've seen taking place are a a fulfillment of the prophecies to Abraham, the fulfillment of the prophecies in the Old Testament. Jesus is the answer to those prophecies. He's the culmination of all of the promises of God from Genesis 
through to Revelation. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, For all of the promises of God find their yes in him. And it's through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So just as Mary and Elizabeth and those around them who knew, just as their excitement grew at the prospect of the coming Messiah, the King of glory, making his appearance. As we go through this period of Advent, may our expectation grow. May our joy grow as we experience Jesus through his Holy Spirit at work in us, in our lives. And as I come to a close, I want to make an appeal to those who maybe have not accepted Christ in their life or maybe are struggling. You may be struggling with your walk. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but you might be struggling in your walk with him. I'm going to pray briefly before I hand back. But don't be afraid. Don't go through on your own. Don't, be, don't feel as if there's nobody to help you. God has not forgotten you. He remembers you. He has heard your prayers. God is a gracious God. He gives us grace. The fact that we're here right now in this place at this time is an act of God's grace and his mercy. Look at what we've gone through the past couple of years. The fact that we are here right now is an act of God's grace. His faithfulness towards us. You may very well be here. You may very well be on this video just to listen to this message. Just to hear that God, because of his great love, sent his son Jesus Christ to live and to die in place of your sin. But he didn't stay in the grave. He rose again. So that we who have faith in him will rise with him. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray briefly before I come down. Dear Lord and Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your care and your keeping and your love towards your people. Lord God, I thank you that you came, Lord God. Lord God, your word says that you didn't come, Lord God, to the great and the kings, the ones that are lifted up in this world, but you came to the low and the poor in spirit, Lord. You came to minister to, Lord God, to those who are of no status and no reputation, and you made yourself of no reputation, taken on the form of a servant for me and for everybody, Lord. Your blood was shed, Lord God, in propitiation for our sin, in place of the penalty that we should have paid ourselves. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that as your word goes forth, I pray that it will convict, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that it will reach receptive hearts, Lord God, and that you will enlarge your kingdom, bring people, Lord God, into your kingdom, Lord God. Give them the strength, Lord God, to make themselves known. Hallelujah. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your many blessings towards us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.